Hey, welcome back to the Ameritrix with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. It was good that last segment, having a conversation about economic development. It's, I think it's so great to, to, you know, when we have a, a, you know, look at things a little bit differently, put that out there. I think it's so good for us to have a conversation about that. I think so, too. Yeah. And I think that we're going to talk about the Federalist Papers. And just so happens that this part of the Federalist Papers deals with defense and taxes and taxation. So it worked out pretty well, huh? Working out pretty well here, yeah. (laughs) Okay, well, let's jump in. Let's not waste any time. I think that you wanted to just, uh, once again, kind of just set up where we've been and where we are right now, right? Right. So we're we're in the last segment or the last subdivision of the first volume of the Federalist Papers. And this is all about union. The first volume, that the way that uh, uh, Hamilton set it up, was that the first volume of the Federalist Papers, when he published them, was about the union, the utility of the union. So there were three subdivisions to that. First of all, the utility of the union to your political prosperity. That was number one. The second was the insufficiencies of the present confederation, the orders of confederation, to preserve the union. And then the last one was, in which that's the one we're talking about today, the necessity of the government as energetic as the one proposed in our Constitution to preserve the union. Mm-hmm. And so we're looking at all of these are preservation. All of these are the things of, of survival, of defense, of the safety, if you will. And so they, we're talking about that. And then when we go from here, the next thing we go to is the, the benefits the goodness of the Constitution, and that's the last volume or the second volume, the last volume of the Federalist Papers, which we'll be talking about the next time we meet. Okay, so, well, very good. So this one is the largest segment or largest subdivision within the Federalist Papers, and it talks about, again, the, the overall title is the necessity of a government as energetic as the one proposed in our Constitution to preserve the Union. And the things, the two big themes here are common defense, the common defense, and taxation. And you have to have a government energetic enough and that when they talk about energy, they're talking about the power of government. And so we're talking, we have 14 different essays in here. We're not going to talk about all of them, but we're going to talk about all of them in general. And the, the big theme here for both of those is that, that the power to, to, to provide a common defense and the power of taxation are both interconnected. And in the Federalist Papers, Hamilton, especially in this segment, Hamilton writes every one of these essays. And, you know, Hamilton becomes our first treasurer Mm -hmm. and he sets up our financial institutions here in the United States and the financial processes and organizations that we have. And so his his. Overall theme here is that both of those have to be unrestricted. You cannot restrict the government for the money they have to spend on defense, depending upon what the exigencies are, the emergencies are. And in in order to be able to do that, you have to not restrict the government in terms of taxation. And there are some limits to that as they were put in the Constitution. Mm -hmm. But this is this is the framing of all of that and why this is what they did. So So, and this is essays 23 through 36. And and once again, I want to say that this show is being brought to you by the Harris family, which I just so appreciate it because it's so so important that we talk about these these great things. So this is essays 23 through 36. And 
A quick question, though, is is when we're talking about taxation, it didn't mean unlimited taxation. I mean, the Constitution was put in place to limit the government. Correct. So the taxation where we're at now was never what the founders thought Never at all what, founders what they, had, thought, thought, about what they so. thought about at all. And, you know, and that's... Uh, uh, over the years, the regressives have used it, you know, our, our constitution against us to do those things, to collect things that they shouldn't do. And we, we can talk about that later. But what we want to do, we want to go back to the way the constitution was okay. written okay. and the processes and, and the principles upon which it is. And we have one, uh, one good one. I'm going to skip to that one really quickly just to let you know that there's a quote in here that I think applies to everything. And it says, and, the, and this is what we talk about when we talk about the Federalist Papers and when we talk about going to, back to our founding heritage. And this is very good, and it's, on, it's from 31, from Essay 31. And it says, in disquisitions of every kind, disquisitions are arguments, discussions. Okay. Uh, in disquisitions of every kind, there are certain primary truths or first principles upon which all subsequent reasoning must depend. And, and that's wow. so important, you know. That's, I mean, that's the essence of, of why we're doing this, why you guys do the things that you do, and you get these in, this information out. And that's always been my point here mm-hmm. is that if everybody knew what, the, what was the founding, what our principles were, what our first principles or our primary truths were, uh, the way the government was set up, the more we would understand and the better we would, would be able to appreciate and to actually love the government that we have. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what we're going to talk about today. And the, so those two things, we start out with the funds for defense or the, the powers of the authority for the defense, for the common defense of the country. And those are the first seven. And one of those includes the militia. So we'll talk about those first. And then the second seven are the power of taxation and, and how that worked out. So we start with number one, which is kind of the one that's a summary or the introduction to this segment of the Federalist Papers. And it's called The Necessity of Government as Energetic as the One Proposed Constitution. That's the overall that's the overall theme for this subdivision. And it said the two common themes. And so I'm going to just do that, namely that the means ought to be proportional to proportionate to the ends. And this theme is repeated throughout the Federalist Papers. That's one of them. And the second one is the circumstances that endanger the safety of the nation are infinite. We never know what they are. You know, we Washington talked about that a lot when he was talking to his cabinet. They say, well, we have to put a restriction on how many soldiers we have, how many troops we have, how many ships we have, or whatever. He said that would be fine if all the other nations put one on theirs, right. too. But we, we can't control that part. And so that's what he said. So that's why what we need, whatever force we need to defend ourselves, to you know, the existential threats that we may have, we have to be able to meet those. And what they say is, you know, whenever you give a responsibility to someone, you have to give them the necessary inform- the, the necessary powers, the necessary authority to to meet that responsibility. And, you know, we talk about that. This comes on throughout the Federalist Papers. Mm-hmm. 51 is a really good example, mm-hmm. you know, when we, we'll get to that one, too, and talk about that one. But it's actually that theme is repeated here in these Federalist Papers, too, in these essays. So we have to have the authority to meet the responsibility. And the responsibility 
you know, we cannot define the responsibility we have because we may we do not know. We can't control and we do not know what other people will will bring against us, what mm-hmm. forces they may bring against us to destroy our, our mm-hmm. country. So that's You're saying why. we have to be able to have the authority in government to to be able to stand up to whatever that threat might be. That, that, that's in essence what they said. That's, in, in, that's in essence what they say, and that's what they repeat. One is it has to be, and it has to be proportionate to the ends, and that's what we're saying. When we don't know what the ends are, because we don't know what the force is that may be brought mm-hmm. against us, we have to have unlimited authority to do that. And that's why we have, in our Constitution, we have a powerful executive that can do things in a timely manner, and he can do things without really a whole lot of consulting with other people. That's why we want to make sure we always elect a really good president mm-hmm. that can do that and that he has advisors and things mm-hmm. like that. And then the other thing we put a restriction on that way is that the government has to, by in, in uh, Article 1, Section 8, they have to be limited to two two years worth of funding that, and that's why our our government budgets for the defense is set up that way i didn't realize that yeah. so the okay. guy has the power the executive if he sees something he can do something right away full force he has and that's the war powers that, that we uh-huh. talk about with uh-huh. lincoln and we talk about with our other presidents too and that was set up that way so that whatever force there was the president had the authority to meet that force that exigent force but di- he didn't have unlimited funds because, he didn't have unlimited because congress funds. has to appropriate the money right in it's set up every two years so that if you didn't like that, and that's controlled by the House of Representatives, you can elect other ones, and that's what it was. That's the power that we have for our government is that we can elect or unelect and elect somebody else to if we don't like the way they're doing their business. This is absolutely brilliant, but this is why we need to make sure when we're going to the ballot box that instead of saying, ooh, do I like that person, uh, let's delve into how they really stand on these important issues. So, hey, Ben Martin, let's go to break. When we come back, let's continue on with this fascinating conversation about the Federalist Papers. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. Stay tuned. It's great to have you in studio, Ben Martin. You are a former Army Ranger, patriotic historian, and we're talking about the Federalist Papers. Last night was Vino and Veritas in Centennial. T- tonight is the first one in Fort Collins, and then uh, the one in Castle Rock will be Sunday. If you want more information on any of those, email me, americhicks.com forward slash Kim. And thank you to the Harris family for sponsoring this show for this important conversation. It cracks me up. Dr. Cranowitter said, what's the difference between Vino and Veritas and all of the major universities in the United States? Vino and Veritas has over 200 people reading the Federalist Papers. That's exactly right. <laughs> Bada boom. Yeah. Bada boom. Okay, so let's jump in here. You had another point that you wanted to make regarding uh, military. Yes, I wanted to talk about, first of all, the reason why we're doing this, the reason why the the, the our, our Federalists, our Publius, our founders, our framers, set this up this way was that they first talked about in the previous segment that we'd had the subdivision when we talk about the insufficiencies of the present government under the Confederation, under the Articles of Confederation. These were all the lessons they learned when they were fighting the revolution. They didn't have the money. 
the states wouldn't give them any money. They didn't have the power to tax. And so that's why this is such a big Got segment. It. And so when we talk about this, we talk about having a government energetic enough to preserve our union, which is what this is segment is all about. So we're talking about the military. Now, everybody was really concerned about the military. They didn't want to have a big military because they had been oppressed by a big military from Great Britain. So one of the things that they talked about, one of the things that the anti-federalist were opposing was having a standing army. But as we talk about here, the army, the 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 measures, the the authority, and the measures to have to be able to to have a common defense, you must have that unrestricted. You can't say we can't have a standing army. We have to have a standing army. And one of the the things that they talked about in that was the reason you have to have a standing army is that. That armies cannot be made up overnight. They have to be made to be able to to meet the challenges that, that come up. They can't just come out of the blue and say, okay, I'm, I'm an army, I'm prepared, I'm right. ready to do this. So we, that's why the, they said you had to have a standing army. So one of the... Uh, the second, so like if an enemy attacks, you can't go, wait a minute, i got to yeah, go get my army. Yeah, i got to get my <laughs> army. And then what they say in number 26, and I think this is a very good quote from the Federalists, is that war, like other things, is a science to be acquired and perfected by diligence, perseverance, and by time and by practice. So, I mean, that's why that's the reason why you have to have a standing army, because we go back to the basic precepts we talked about before. The, the, the measures to be able to mount a common defense have to be unrestricted. That's why the president has those war powers. Mm-hmm. But, but they keep them in check. They keep them in check by the, the election cycle. Of the representatives of that, of the, and, the, and our they hold representatives, the purse strings. our elected representatives. Remember, we are a republic, not a democracy. Mm-hmm. Okay. We do not run the government. We elect representatives to run the government for us. Got it. Big difference between those. We've talked about that before, and we'll talk about it again. So then we go to taxation, because if we have an unrestricted resources to to fund our common defense, we have to have unrestricted taxation to pay for those. Mm -hmm. So whatever the thing would be. So the second part we go to in here is what is called the power of taxation, concerning the general power of taxation. And that's what these next seven are. They start with number seven, in which is uh, such powers necessary to every constitution, to every real, to good constitution, and we're talking about a good constitution, that you have to have this power to tax the people. And one of the things we talked about in the last subdivision, the last time we got together, was that the framers understood from all of the lessons they had learned under the Articles of Confederation, which was oriented towards the states. Like all of the things that came from the Federalists, from the Articles of Confederation, were oriented and directed to the states. And they realized they can't do that. So that's why the Constitution is not directed at the states. It's directed at the individuals. It's we the people. So we the people are the people that that founded the government, that developed the government, and we the people are the, the agents that are affected by the government. And that's a really big point. That's a really 
important point. Okay. Now, just a question. You said number seven, but I was thinking we were in essays 23 through 36. No, 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 the second seven. The second oh, seven. Okay, are, okay. We, the first seven were 23 through 29, and then the second segment of 30 through 36. Got it. Okay, okay. thanks for clarifying. So the first seven were about the common defense. The second seven were about taxation, okay. which is really mostly for the common defense. Got it. And so we do that. So 30 says in concerning the power, the general power of taxation is that such power must be nece- is necessary to every constitution. And these, so Publius does devote seven papers to the discussion of the national taxing power. And again, he says the national government must possess unfettered authority to raise revenue in order to fulfill fulfill its constitutional responsibilities. And then again, we talk about every power ought to be proportionate to its objective. That's the other theme running through here, mm-hmm. the unrestriction, the unfettered, but that you also, it has to be proportionate. And again, like I said, the, the famous 51 that we'll talk about will also talk about proportionality and their proportion of the authority that you have to the problem mm-hmm. or the responsibility that you have. You have to have the power to be able to fulfill the responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we're talking about that. So we go into that. And then, so that's number 30, which is the general power. That's the introduction to this little segment of the power to, the general power to taxation. And all of these essays are named the same thing, the concerning the general powers of taxation. And the, the importance of the first principles in, this is number 31, the importance of the first principles in morals and politics. That is, again, they must be there. That's, that's, what they said, this is a power necessary to every good constitution and that it has to be unrestricted. And it says, again, in Federalist 31, he again emphasizes that the national government, just like I said before, must possess a power to tax commensurate with its responsibilities, a power free from every other control but a regard to the public good and the sense of free people. And it says, and that's where we talk about that one. I'll go through it again. In disquisitions of every kind. And again, we're talking about the importance of first principles in morals and politics. In disquisitions of every kind, there are certain primary truths or first principles upon which all subsequent reasoning must depend. That is key because today uh, I think that the, the, the duty of the, the federal government has been... Um, changed, if you will, to mean all these different things. It's not based on these principles that are in the Constitution. It's exactly right, because people don't even look to those because it's too hard to go and find them. You can talk to most of our lawmakers today, our legislators. They've never looked at this. They don't understand it. And they don't understand what our Federalist, what, what our framers were doing, our Federalist framers were doing when they set up our Constitution. So I'm going to, I'm going to quickly sum up in this volume that we talk about, and in the last volume that we talked about, where we talked about the vices of government or the insufficiency of government, and here we talk about how to have that power, that they, these are so similar. So I'm going, to read, I'm going to read the summary of both of them. So we, first of all, we talk about number 14, which was the last one, the capstone of, okay. of that. And it says here, happily for America, happily we trust for the whole human race. They, meaning our framers, pursued a new and more noble course. 
They accomplished a revolution which has no parallels in the annals of human society. They reared the fabrics of government which have no model on the face of the globe. They formed the design of a great confederacy which it is incumbent on their successors, that's all of us, to improve it and perpetuate it. If these works portray betray imperfections, we wonder at the fewness of them. If they erred most in the structure of the union, this was the work most difficult to be executed. This is the work which has been new modeled by the act of your convention. That's the Constitutional Convention. And it is that act on which you are now to deliberate and to decide. Isn't that amazing? That is what they said. And so then 36, which is the capstone of this segment, says, Happily will it be for ourselves and most honorable for human nature if we have the wisdom and the virtue enough to set so glorious an example to mankind. Wow. We are out of time. We're going to have you back next month, okay? Thank you so much, Ben Martin. Looking forward to it.